This is my pleasure that doesn't involve you and has nothing to do with you. That's what people don't understand. So if I'm thinking about some celebrity that I really want to be with or some guy I saw, you know, in the grocery store in the mall this morning, I'm having sex with my husband. It doesn't mean I don't want to be with my husband. I'm with him. I chose him. But I'm also thinking about that guy that was kind of hot to me early on. Welcome to Honey Do Me, a podcast that goes into the bedroom and beyond. Hosted by Emma Norman and Cass Anderson. Here at Honey Do Me, we don't have all the answers. So we chat with experts, educators, and badass changemakers to get them. We are here to remind our listeners and ourselves that what we're going through is normal. That we are worthy of love and pleasure. And that we are all in this together. So tell us, honey, how do you do you? Welcome to our quarter quell. Just kidding. Quarter quell. <laughs> you don't watch Hunger Games, so you wouldn't no, know what that is. Um, every twenty-five years, they have a special Hunger Games, <laughs> and it's uh, it's just got a little extra spice. Um, so it's and our twenty-fifth episode. Twenty-fifth episode. <laughs> Were you thinking of that one all day today? Uh, all week. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> Well, no, I should have been. Th- I feel left out. I should have thought of something. I guess I didn't. Don't care enough. Yeah, mm, I guess you're not invested. Comes down to. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to our 25th episode. Boop. We brought you a real fun topic. Yeah, we did. Today we're talking about sexual, sexual fantasies. fantasies. That was really good. I feel like we should high five on that one. No, uh, yeah, that's fine. You can hear the smack. <laughs> yeah. So today we're talking with Dr. Joe Court. Yes, we are. I was so excited when I found him because I have had fantasies. I've had them, you know, even from when I was little. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we could look more into them and dissect them, I was like, holy crap, this could be a whole other world that I've never looked at. Exactly. So we learned that your sexual fantasies are a way to learn more about yourself, just like your dreams are, mm-hmm. just like your horoscope is. Which <laughs> it's all just a part yeah. of you. <laughs> Which it's like... Duh, but I never would have thought of that. Mm-hmm. It's like that's so that's a part of our sexuality. That's something that you create in your mind. So why wouldn't it have to say more about you than you think? Exactly. And I think usually we use them as a way to say something bad about ourselves. Yeah. Like, ooh, I have that thought and so I'm naughty. Totally. <laughs> or I'm like a bad person. But Dr. Joe really talks about how our fantasies are supernatural and they come from somewhere generally and it's not something to feel ashamed about. So I thought that totally. that was an amazing perspective. That was a great way to put it because you're absolutely right that that was something that I think a lot of people use to hide or hide from and don't explore more because it feels like a lot of shame. So this was a great episode for like shame busting and just getting all into it. Like we're all normal. That's what we're all here for. Exactly. And it's super fun. Absolutely. Very goofy. But We also want to mention, we want to give a general trigger warning because we do talk a little bit about rape, we talk about sexual assault, and we talk about abuse. So if those aren't topics that you feel comfortable hearing about right now, you might want to sit this one out and head over to one of our other amazing episodes. Exactly. But we look forward to seeing you on the other side. side. Exactly. (laughs) Anyway. Bye. Bye. We'll have you start out by introducing yourself, telling us a bit about what you do, and then we'll dive into sexual fantasies. So, yeah, so I've been a therapist uh, since I was 22 years old, so 36 years. I've turned 58 recently. And my original work was about sexual abuse and trauma and really helping people navigate through really horror 
horrific childhoods. Mm -hmm. But I always had a curiosity also about the sexual component of all of that. And we were never taught, and it's even the case today, shockingly, 36 years later, that in the trauma field or even in the couples therapy field or in any mental health field, they don't teach sexual health. So you were really left with not knowing what to do, but I always it always left me with a lot of curiosity. And so about 15, 16 years ago, I began my journey toward becoming a certified sex therapist. So I'd already had my degrees, and then I added to it with a certification certification and a doctorate in sex therapy. And so now I, I was able to help people understand, including myself, what sexual fantasies mean. That's so important, too, because that's exactly the work that we're interested in. It's like there's so many layers to our lives and understanding our sexual desires, our fantasies, you know, everything about our own sexuality. It can just help us learn so much more about ourselves. And I love that you're layering on that work for yourself, too. Well, you know, I was at work. You know, I do TikTok now. I started yeah. doing it only two months ago. Is that how you found me? Yeah. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, I have like, I just looked today, 275,000 followers in two months, really. It's insane. And um, so one night I was leaving work and I thought, you know, I'll just do a really quick 30 minute. And I said, if you, you can, you know, how you can tell a lot about the people. Oh, maybe this is the one you saw. It is. So, yep. Right? <laughs> um, that you can tell a lot about somebody by the friends they keep. You can tell some a lot about someone by the fantasies that they have. God, it went viral. It was, I think it's like almost 2 million people have watched that now. So it showed me the hunger. And then I read all the comments. People want to know. That's right. That's how you found me. Sorry. I forgot. No, no, no absolutely. But then we watched a bunch of your other TikToks and it's just so informational. And that's what people are craving. That's what they want to know is how can this tell you more about me or how can I look at it? Like a horoscope. But... Yeah. But sexy. Yes, yes. <laughs> exactly. <A> more <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a little scientific base. Yeah. <laughs> well, can we get into just like a quick definition of what sexual fantasies are? Is there a general definition for it? Well, Yes, and I would say that it, it we have a so I always say this, we have a sexual orientation to whom we're attracted, male, female, mm-hmm. both, a blend of both, neither. Um, and then we have erotic orientation. That's the thoughts that get us off, that bring us our fantasies, that you know are compiled with all kinds of crazy shit in our head that make us get turned on. So that's really what it is. It's just your fantasies. And, they, and people I noticed in my comments would say, I don't have any. You don't have to have any. Not everybody has specific fantasies. But you know what you like sexually, what your body likes pleasurably, uh, what positions you like, how you like to be touched, how you like to touch. Those are fantasies too. Yeah, I love that because when we were talking about questions and talking about going into this interview, like Emma has a lot of fantasies to share, (laughs) but I couldn't think of any. And I was like, am I just not like that? Mm -hmm. But I really love that definition because I get to be included too. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. yeah. and I should have done a video on it. I'm going to. I just forgot. You know, there's so many things that people comment on. But yeah, yeah, you definitely have them. Yeah. So then where do our sexual fantasies come from or where do our preference for what we like in bed or like, where does all that come from? Often. Now, not, not everything comes this way, right? I'm a therapist, so I'm always poking around for childhood and <laughs> it can come from family of origin. It can come from the religion you were raised by, the culture, the the race, the neighborhood, you know, siblings. How, so we're all imprinted all throughout our first 18 years. And the younger we are, the more imprinted you are. And those pieces get embedded into the sexual narrative of our fantasies. Um, and so sometimes people have really horrible things happen to them, really fun things happen to them, really negative things, whatever it is. And then 
it becomes eroticized. And then when your uh, sexual orientation kicks in, you're like, okay, now I know who I'm attracted to. But when your erotic orientation kicks in, it starts to play with all those early childhood experiences. So when does the erotic orientation start to like jump in? Is it different for everybody or? Well, it starts to jump in uh, usually in your adolescence. Okay. So once your puberty hits and now you're sexual and you're starting to, you know, want to get turned on, your sexual fantasies are right there. And they can be really scary to people because they don't, people don't know why, what they come from or why they're there even. Mm -hmm. But they're normal. Yeah. Uh, That was one of the questions that I was going to ask is like, is there a normal age for how young like people can start fantasizing because I remember I was thinking about scenarios (laughs) because I started masturbating pretty young and I would think about scenarios so that was around like 12 or 13 um and I always felt like why do I have these thoughts that none of this has ever happened to me so how am I like thinking about it and I always felt like I was really way too young to be doing these things inside my head (laughs) Not at all. No. And in fact, it can go even earlier. Well, first of all, puberty can go earlier. Sometimes people have early puberty, but sometimes you might, like we had a client come through and he was a 10 year old and he was into feet, but he didn't know why. And it wasn't sexual, but he would take pictures of girls feet and he would write feet on the wall, you know, like little things. And then when he, when his um, puberty kicked in and his sexuality kicked in, he had a foot fetish. But it was, you wouldn't call it, a, you wouldn't have called it that earlier because you didn't know it wasn't atta- uh, attached to sexuality. This was a question we were actually planning to ask later, but I think it fits in now. I'm sure people experience like a lot of shame and guilt around fantasies that they aren't able to understand. Can you talk a little bit about that and how to maybe start working through that? Yeah, you know, people do and then partners do. You know, like people mm-hmm. partners are like, I can't believe that's in your head. What's wrong with right. you? And that's so shaming. And then it's, you shame yourself. There's nothing wrong with you. You can't, you're not in charge of what fantasies are in your head or where they come from. You're in charge of how you act on them. Um, and then people get judgmental. Well, if you're still thinking and getting off on them, then something's wrong with you. And that's not fair. That's not right. Mm-hmm. Now, I only talk about consent, right? There is a sex offenders, a non-consent track of training that I understand that for some, even thinking about it can motivate them to want to engage. That I don't know about all that. I know mm-hmm. that people who are consent and more on the neurotic side, like all of us, um, can have the fantasies all you want. It doesn't mean anything other than their fantasies. Mm-hmm. Working through shame with your fantasies and kind of feeling alone, I feel like that's a good thing to talk about with people our age too, because it's not really something that we all talk about. And especially yeah. like how viral your TikToks went. It's like people want to know if what I'm doing is wrong or right or if I'm alone. Um, they want to feel normal. They want to feel normal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So could we kind of touch on some of the fantasies that like are super common? Yeah. So um, look, uh, we have lots of women. Uh, now these are generalizations and, mm-hmm. and I can go and I just did uh, a, a video a couple days ago and nobody liked it. I think I got really, not nobody, I think <laughs> I got um, But so like a lot of women who are feminists, activists, anti-misogyny might have fantasies at night of being dominated. Uh I don't know what I'm able to say on your, uh, am I able to you can say anything? Yep. Rape play. I mean, we call it ravishing now because we're trying to get away, but rape play, not rape, rape play. And people get really freaked out about that. I don't talk about that on TikTok because I don't want to get banned or mm-hmm. shadow banned, whatever it's called, because kids are on there. But the idea is there's you're, you're fantasizing about a scenario where everybody's turned on. A rape is you have a bloody lip, you've, you're filling out a police report, and you're, and you're, you're traumatized. That's not a sexual fantasy. That's a that's a horror movie, right? 
But rape play is, in every romance movie and novels, not every, but all, most of them, the man continues to, to come on to the woman. No, 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 no. And finally, I accepted his member, his throbbing member, and I he overtook myself. And I mean, it's, it's kind of play rape, but mm-hmm. it's relational and it's okay. In porn, it's the same thing. It's play rape. It isn't real. And there's nothing to feel ashamed about if it's about play and it's consent and it's two adults and you're engaging in a fantasy. Mm-hmm. And then what about like cheating fantasies? Why are those th- the one of the questions I had is like, why do some people have fantasies that they would never do in real life, but we fantasize about them happening? Often they're from very horrific situations or struggle situations in childhood. Maybe there was cheating going on in the family and it was talked about or it was known or you you found out one of your parents cheated or now you're a young adult or a teenager even or an adult and you've been cheated on. It's so painful that it gets eroticized to, to, to anesthetize the pain. Does that make sense? It, yeah. it like fills the pain and now people get off on it. And I know people have a hard time. They're like, how can you get off on cheating? Real cheating, nobody gets off on that. Erotic cheating, play with, playing with it, that mm-hmm. can be super sexy. Yeah, I guess that kind of clicks for me too. Because I would say one of my biggest fears is like someone going behind my back or like in a partner and being cheated on and being like lied to. But some of my fantasies that I think about are like doing that to a partner. And mm-hmm. it's like, mm-hmm. that's saucy. But maybe that's <laughs> the way that I deal with hard and difficult emotions that like I would hate to have happen to me. But if I kind of yes. like take that power in my fantasies, it'll turn me on. So that, that really clicked for me. I think that's great. You admitted that. Now, in the fantasy, when you're doing that to a partner, how is he feeling about it when you're doing it? In, I guess he doesn't know. They're, they're okay. never there. But I know oh. that I'm like cheating on them with someone else. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, and you don't have to answer things. That, since you no, no, no. Thinking, you know, maybe there's something there about getting away with something, mm-hmm. uh, getting some pleasure that he doesn't know about, some time away from him. It doesn't have to mean anything about him. Right. But when a partner would hear that, let's say a boyfriend were to hear that, or I don't know what your partner, male or female, you know, they may feel like, what the fuck is that? You know, it's mm-hmm. not about them. You know? Right. No, absolutely. And that's kind of the thoughts that I would be struggling with is like, is this about whoever I'm with or my own personality? Like, would I actually do that if I am totally fantasizing about cheating on someone or um I also have <laughs> I guess I'm just laying it off. <laughs> uh, I like I also get interested in like power dynamics and those type of fantasies. Um could you talk a little bit about what those could mean for people? Yeah, so now that's another thing. Like it's eroticizing power play that maybe mm-hmm. happened in your life. You were disempowered, you were not allowed to have much power in the family, or you, you already had a lot of power and now you're as a young adult, you've lost some of that power, or people don't allow you to have that power. So in the play, you have an important position now. You get to have that that you didn't have. You have a superpower that you can that's erotic to you now. And now you have control over someone else that wants to be controlled. And it can be super sexy to be the one to even be overpowered. Yeah, absolutely. I like the way you're explaining this, like the eroticizing of pain, like it just makes so much sense as like mm-hmm. a coping mechanism and also like a way to take back power. Like I love that so much. And what's coming yes. into my mind, something that we were talking about is like, how do you know? Because we've talked about not wanting to do stuff in real life, but how do you know if it is something that you want to do in real life? Because for me, like since I can remember, I fantasized about being with women and then I realized that I was bi. And so it, 
I kind of I think I always thought of it as a fantasy because it was like, oh, I can't have that. And then I was like, oh, I can. And so how do you kind of decipher which is which? Like, do you just try it? What if it's kind of scary? (laughs) Right. So I think, yeah, you just try it, but you should try it with a lot of thought and a lot of uh, understanding how it could go wrong, how it could go right. If it's with somebody, how you can stop it. You're in control of it at any moment because it can go south really fast. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know. I think you don't know until you try it. And, um, and play with it a little bit. Maybe sometimes it just means talking to somebody about it that's safe, that mm-hmm. won't, you know, expose you or something, or watching pornography or erotic imagery or, you know what I mean, reading erotica on the, online mm-hmm. and seeing if it turns you on. Mm-hmm. Mother's Day is around the corner, and whether you're celebrating your mama, grandma, guardian, or yourself, celebrate with the mother of all self-care routines by trying out Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. This duo delivers a one-two punch in luxurious body care moisturizers with their Anduria Algae Body Oil and Anduria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature all-natural citrusy scent. I use both the body lotion and the Anduria Algae Body Oil once I get out of the shower, and I use it literally everywhere. This duo is my go-to for feeling glowy and hydrated for literal days, and the Osea Signature Scent is one of my faves because it's not overwhelming, um, but it's like a delicious and fresh smell that just lasts. Since 1996, Osea has been making seaweed-infused skincare that is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code DOOMY at oseamalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to O-S-E-A. Malibu.com and use code D-E-W-M-E for 10% off. Are there any scenarios in which you should not indulge in your fantasies? I think, you know, if we're talking about like trying out your fantasies, is there a line that you should be like, no, not (laughs) keep that that in your head, keep it in your head. (laughs) I mean, obviously, if it's going to um, put, if it's non-consent on the Mm -hmm. other side, never, right? Never, never, never. Adult. And, and obviously any child or teenager. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think the lines are all personal. Like I can't cross that line because my partner said no, mm-hmm. or and, and we haven't negotiated that together. Right. Or they don't know. Or um, it might mean that, you know, the idea, it might put me at risk for medical problems or like some people, you know, some people have fantasies about getting exposed to uh, HIV or getting exposed to an STI and it turns them on to think about that. And they like to play with that. But obviously if you're going to go do that, it's okay to go do that if it's safe and you know, it's not going to really happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it and you know, what's going to happen, then you might want to reconsider or really wonder mm-hmm. what's going on. Why am I putting myself in this position? Mm-hmm. And so what would be some of the best ways to start like implementing your fantasies in your life. So we've had like notes about like, maybe you could start journaling about them. Maybe you start talking to your partner about them if you want to try it out. So what's kind of the best first step to really explore if these fantasies are like your actual sexual desires? Your thing. Your thing. (laughs) Yeah, actually, uh, I like what you're saying. The journaling, talking to a partner. And now I forgot about this. I remember it and then I forget. I don't know why. I was 17. (laughs) There was this book called Men in Love. 
and I forget the woman's name. She just died, but she was one of the first writers on sexual fa- fantasies. She had done one for women, and this one was in the store. It was at, like a Kroger. It was crazy. <laughs> I mean, it was even there. But I remember I was working there, and on my breaks, I would sit down and read it, and it was fascinating to me. All these fantasies, some were disgusting to me, and some were like, God, I'm kind of turned on by that. Like, I, you know, so maybe that's another way reading about it, like we said, to kind of know what, what I get turned on by, what I don't. And then to find willing, safe partners and safe places. That's the hard part. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even like think about the fact that there's probably books out there with like really common types of fantasies mm-hmm. that you can go and read about. Um, if you're trying to figure out, if you're, trying to figure if you're out, starting from square one, yeah. <laughs> like what am I even starting into? from scratch? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. And do you have any tips for how to like ask a partner to try out fantasies? Because it can be kind of scary if like you've had this all inside your head and you're like, I don't know if this is normal, if this is something people are into, but this is what I've been thinking and I'd love to try it out. Maybe that was yes. exactly how you should have <laughs> <is> that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I understand. It's... um. Yeah, it's hard, right? Because your partner's going to be like, where'd you get that from? Did you learn that from porn? Did you learn that online? And mm-hmm. why now? And people get really, what, yeah. what's up? Really all in, in here. Head. Yeah, I was yeah. saying oh, yeah. I got it from all in here. I got it from just my right. mind. <laughs> well, and the thing is, you know, people are like, and they'll say, how can, I've known you all these years. Now I feel like I don't know you anymore. And I'm I'm really threatened. And on, honestly, I always say, well, wait a minute. What if you learned years in that your partner likes fruit on your pizza? And he never told you that before. But you don't say to him, Oh my God, I never knew you before. How do I don't know you anymore? No, but it's, I think people have that reaction because they, they worry, am I going to have to share this with you? What if I'm not turned on and I'm disgusted and now I got to share it with you? So maybe the, the first thing would be, I don't not necessarily saying you have to share this with me or that you even have to do it. It's just something that's popped into my head. I've had it since childhood or I did watch it in a movie because movies can introduce us yeah. to things we never thought either. Just Hollywood movies, not just porn. Mm-hmm. I mean, ask anyone who started watching 50 shades of gray they may have discovered a few <laughs> few new things that they liked yeah yeah it opened up a whole conversation like my video kind of did yeah absolutely um one other thing kind of going back to like cheating fantasies and all of that and maybe this i don't know if this is one that you would bring up with your partner but like when i think you had a tiktok on this when you're thinking about somebody else when you are actually having sex or with oh. your current partner yes is that normal? Is that yeah? Very, hundred percent normal. <laughs> you're thinking about all kinds of things, even things that aren't sexy. Sadly, when you do that, though, if it's too much, you lose erotic focus, and mm-hmm. now you're not turned on anymore, right? So mm-hmm. it can go that way. But no, using images you've seen, other people you've been with, past partners, other things, everybody's got that stuff going on in their head. We just don't talk about it because people feel uh, threatened by it. And is that just? I guess I've never use that method necessarily. Um, But is that just a way to kind of spice it up for yourself if you're thinking about other people? It doesn't have to mean that you're unattracted to the person that you're having sex or whatever with. Okay. And, you know, we have lots of research now that show that lots of people are not wired for monogamy, that Mm -hmm. that's not our natural state. And so it doesn't mean we can't choose that state, but it might mean that I choose it physically, but in my head, I'm having sex with all kinds of other people. And if you think about it, it really means I'm having sex with myself, too. This is my pleasure that doesn't involve you and has nothing to do with you. That's what people don't understand. So if I'm thinking about some celebrity that I really want to be with or some guy I saw, you know, in the grocery store in the mall this morning, I'm having sex with my husband. It doesn't mean I don't want to be with my husband. I'm with him. I chose him. But I'm also Mm -hmm. thinking about that guy that was kind of hot to me early on. 
Yeah, totally. And I think that's a great thing to remember, too, when we start feeling guilty about being attracted to other people or like desiring a different type of relationship, but knowing you'd never leave the relationship you're in. It's like this is just so normal. And just use your thoughts and kind of escape there if you want to explore that a little bit more. And that's totally normal. Yeah, a lot of this has gotten contaminated because of religion, teaching that there are two sins, one doing it and one just thinking it, right? Mm -hmm. Do you ever watch Esther Perel? Do you know that name? Mm -mm. Oh, you should look her up. She's really super popular. Uh, Esther Perel, but she goes by Esther. She's done a couple of TED Talks, and she says that in her video, you know, (laughs) that the the two sins, thinking about it and then doing it, uh, is cheating. And, you know, what I say is don't use the Bible for sex education. It is not a sexually informed book at all, nor is it very sex positive. Right. So that's that's what I say. <laughs> I mean, 100 <laughs> percent. Yeah. yeah. Right? <laughs> Fuck. I love all of this. Like, I love the idea of being more open and just, you know, allowing for us to actually exist as we want to, as opposed to like how we think we should. And I also know that when I start to think about the idea of my partner thinking about Mm. somebody else, I start to feel really shitty. Like when the idea of me thinking about somebody else, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm free. I'm open. But then when it's him thinking about somebody else, I'm like, no, (laughs) I don't feel comfortable with that. So how do you start to work through those feelings? So that's like a control issue. Not that you're Mm -hmm. controlling. Oh, no, I I am. (laughs) (laughs) That's accurate. You know, if you have these fantasies, you know where they're going to go. You're not going to get caught Mm -hmm. off guard. But if they have fantasies, you might get caught off guard. They might Mm -hmm. cheat on you. They might. And that's part of the risk of being in a relationship. And, And sometimes that can make it more sexy. Not that it will happen or that you'll be hurt. But nobody's 100% sure. No, none of us know what our partners are going to do. It's really, I think we've been given bad information that, you know, once you partner that it's all set, you know, and you're monogamous, monogamous ever after. And it's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that I would definitely need to work through insecurities of my own if I knew that my partner was fantasizing about other things. But uh, yeah, it's just a reframe because it's like I, I do or I mm-hmm. did and it's just looking at it from the same harmless way instead of like, oh, they want to be with other people. Like, I'm not enough and that right. that feeling. That's what we're taught. Mm-hmm. Especially women get taught that, that mm-hmm. you have to be everything and he should only desire you. I mean, that's great if that happens, but it's bullshit in general. No, you, even women think about other men. Think about different size genitalia, different asses on the guys. Yeah. That you know, there's a million different things. You know, the football player that walked by with a great bubble ass and your husband he doesn't have that. Maybe he's got a flat ass. I don't know. And so let's go what? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. I definitely have a lot that I need to work through because I know – Like if I go on my partner's phone and I just like open a tab and I see that he was watching porn, like my my gut reaction is like, well, what do they have that I don't have? But I'm like, Cass, what do the what does the porn that you're watching have that he doesn't have? Like, that's such a double standard. Yeah. And I'm assuming that like he doesn't think I'm attractive, but that's not what I'm thinking when I'm doing it. And then it's so crazy. The opposites of like how you can view your own actions mm-hmm. and thoughts and then how you view other people's and immediately yes. putting it back on yourself. Like when you're driving, like if you make a mistake, <laughs> you're like, oh, it's all of these external factors. <laughs> but if somebody else is like messing up, you're like, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah, <laughs> You oh, are true. awful. Your license should be taken away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. When <laughs> honestly, probably mine should have been. Yeah. <laughs> that is a great, great example. Yeah, 100%. Oh. I totally, I'm totally right there with you. Yeah. So... 
we've talked about it a little bit, but what are some things you could really be looking at in your fantasies to learn more about yourself or about someone else? Like how you say, once you know someone's fantasies, that's like knowing them completely. So what more could we be looking at in what we think about to understand ourselves? So um, really you want to think about everything has meaning, like interpreting a dream is really more right. it, more mm-hmm. what it is. So am I the pursuer? Am I the distancer? Um, am I the, in the power dynamic? Am I the one submissive or am I the one dominant or am I both? It could be both. You know, what kind of um, uh, feelings do I want to have toward this other person? What kind of feelings do I want them to have toward me? It all gives you like a guide and, and when you write all that down, like you think about, all right, these are the kinds of people, these are the kinds of things I think about. Sometimes people even think about themselves being a different gender. What, you know, what is that about? Is that, and then, then you gotta do, you gotta know your family. So when I work with clients, I do what's called a genogram. A genogram is just telling me who's mom, who's dad, tell me uh, the positive and negative traits of them, your best memories, your worst memories. I get all that picture. And then we start to line things up and things can be, so we had a client come through. And he had a fantasy of uh, women who were amputees. They had, um, they were missing a leg. Um, it didn't matter which leg; they were just missing it. And so he was feeling really bad because he was objectifying these women. And not, and then secondly, um, he, the Me Too movement came out, and so then he was really worried about. He didn't want to do this. So um, his childhood, he had a fully able-bodied mother, but she was so disabled uh, mentally that they lived on uh, government assistance. And she never left the house. Across the hall was a woman who had an amputated leg, but she worked full time. She would go up and down the stairs bringing groceries and packages. He would offer to help her. She would say, I don't need your help. I need your company. Come on. So he sees this strong woman there. He sees this weak woman at home. So when his sexual orientation kicks in, it's to women. When his erotic orientation kicks in, it's to what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's such yeah. a simple understanding. And he just dropped into self-compassion from that. That's such a amazing thing to think about. There's so many layers. There's so many backtracks that you can take into like where this is all coming from. We love dream interpretation. We've had like a few episodes where we've talked about it and also dream journaling and all of that. So I just love the idea of like taking sexual fantasies and doing the same thing. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much to know about ourselves that we can get from inside of ourselves. Yeah. And just doing a little bit of journaling, a little pen to paper. Yeah. (laughs) Sometimes things are not though uh, a derivative of childhood is okay. that you discovered it in childhood. So my very first podcast two years ago, I had, I called the ropers, the guys into rope bondage. And it's a, it's a certain type. And I always forget the name. It's Japanese. It's beautiful roping on someone, mm-hmm. but he likes to tie them down and keep them, you know, immobilized. But his first fantasy was as a boy scout or a cub scout learning to tie knots oh. and he had an erection. <laughs> so that didn't, he didn't eroticize that. It was the first time he discovered he was into it. Oh, that's so that's so funny. Cool. I know. And I feel like maybe it's not because I know I've never tapped into this world at all, like the anime world, because I know that there's kind of anime porn. Uh-huh. So is that I think there's very much anime yeah. porn. I don't yeah. think it's kind of <laughs> I yeah, I I've never really looked into that. <laughs> but is that I don't know, is that just a type of porn that could be like really interesting or that can that kind of go to like cartoons when we were a kid i don't 100 <laughs> percent because mm-hmm. um 
you know, when we were a kid, that's when we're being imprinted, right? right. So they, they can be scary or they can be fun and I can have, be attached to certain cartoon characters. So then when your sexual uh, erotic interests kick in, boom, there they are. I had a, a friend once who was uh, who would masturbate to Betty Boop. You're too young for Betty Boop. Look her up. <laughs> she's very busty, and, but she's a cartoon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there are uh, fantasies and it's sort of under the kink, but it really shouldn't be kinky, where people are into Superman or Superwoman mm-hmm. and they want you to be in costume and role play all that and it can be super fun and, and exciting well i knew someone that was like their dream girl was what is the rabbit the um, jessica rabbit, jessica rabbit. <laughs> yes. and it's like that was who they always said their celebrity crush was so <laughs> i mean i feel like that makes so much sense mm-hmm. right right because that was the first time they probably saw a sexual image and got turned on or were moved inside in some way and then when their puberty kicked in they were like that's it i'm gonna that's my jackoff fantasy she's a very curvy rabbit too so yeah. <laughs> she's not a rabbit what is she is she she's no she's a person yeah oh I don't know why they call it jessica rabbit yeah right I don't, is she a rabbit i don't remember now. she's not a rabbit oh. she, but she dates a rabbit right oh, okay. <laughs> oh maybe that's what it is maybe it's she took her husband's last name i don't yeah. know <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what it is. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Well, we were just talking right before this started. I was like looking through other TikToks and it was of Dimitri from Anastasia. And I was like, he was my first crush when I was a kid. And it was because it's an animated movie. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's so hot. And like, I was like, I still think he's cute. <laughs> I think the Aladdin in, in that movie, I don't remember. I think the movie's called Aladdin. It's super hot. Yeah. I could jack off to him. He's a cartoon. <laughs> I love it. I love so it. It's funny. What about if you and your partner have mismatched fantasies, Mm -hmm. like fantasies, like your partner also has fantasies that they want to try and they just don't align? Like, could you take us through a scenario of what that could look like and then working through that? I see it a lot in my office, obviously, because and I see it more in mixed sex couples Mm -hmm. or male, female couples in gay and lesbian couples. It's not so much, not that it can never happen, but they talk about it much sooner. As gay guys, we're talking about it on the app before. It's the first thing we say, you know, I'm into fucking, sucking, you know, topping, rimming, whatever. And I'm a Scorpio. And like, oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that? I said, and I'm a Scorpio. So like, I want to know what you do first before I know you're a Scorpio. Because mm-hmm. so, But straight people don't do it. So um, then they get into these marriages and they don't talk about it, right? They're not, and they should, but we're taught not to. And so now we're five years in and, oh, you like this and I like this. It's not a deal breaker. It means that, first of all, you have to both get over your disgust response. People, that's why people don't do a lot of things. I'm having a disgust response and now I label you disgusting. That's not fair. Your disgust response is yours. Is it something you can change? Is it something you can work through? And and then therapists, and I always challenge this. I used to be one of these. If one says no and one says yes, the no wins, and now the yes is um, off the table. That's not fair. It, now, I'm not saying that the no has to change to yes and engage in the behavior, but the discussion doesn't have to end. So the yes person is still in the room. They're still in the marriage. I still want this. Well, I don't. Okay, so now how are we going to talk about this? Are we going to look at pornography together? Are we going to get a webcam person? Can I do this on my own? Are we going to open the relationship? Are we going to be monogamish? Mm-hmm. Can I? Can we talk about it when we're having sex? I mean, there's there might be a scenario that you think of with no one on this planet has thought yet. But it should be able to be negotiated because we picked each other, and this is um, something that we can add and incorporate into our relationship. I love that. It's just like anything else. Like I hate when you sit down for dinner with somebody like or if you're out at a restaurant and they say, oh, what you ordered looks gross. It's mm-hmm. Like, OK, 
I'm, I'm a, about to eat it. I'm about to have this whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you. Yeah. God, yeah. I hate when people do that. I think that's my biggest pet peeve. It's very specific. <laughs> it but is. I hate I it. Person. I, and Jewish people do that. I'm Jewish. You know? I, I, I'd be like, ugh, what is it? You know, you know, put that in your mouth. So I don't do that. My husband hates that. I I was vegan for like four years. So I know I was secretly thinking it, but I hated it when people said it to me. That's so funny. <laughs> and you're right. You shouldn't say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I like that it's a it's a conversation, you know, like your fantasies don't have to be repulsive, disgusting. You know, you get that response. It's like this should be as much of a conversation in our relationship as anything else, because this is what fulfills me and this is what I need. And so let's find somewhere that we can meet in the middle. And that makes 100%. sense. Yeah, it's just like anything else. I love it. Now, I will tell you this. Probably we should have addressed this for a little bit. And that is if you if your fantasy comes from trauma, so you were abused and a horrible thing happened to you, and now you're in puberty or you're an adult, and now your fantasies are all about what happened to you. This is really hard for someone who comes to therapy because now they're ashamed, and they want you, the therapist, to give them an erotichectomy. There's no such thing as an erotichectomy, like slices Mm -hmm. out of my brain. It's so awful. I have fantasies about things that happened to me. I was bullied, I was tortured, and all kinds of stuff that have gotten eroticized for me, and I was one of these people that, uh, and an uncle that did some really horrible things, and Sometimes that's engaged. Oftentimes it's part of the fantasy, my stuff. I don't want to give him that power. Your clients don't want to give that power. And I I want, I I got them out of my life. They shouldn't be here. So here's what we say. And it's not this simple, but for a podcast, the idea is back then it was about power and control and non-consent. And it was about their pleasure um, to your torture. And you were not in control of it. Today, you're the age you are today, 20 and up, let's say 18 and up. You're in charge of it. It's pleasurable for you. It's it's about consent on both sides. Uh, and it is about pleasure, not about control and not about uh, violation. And if it is about violation, it's eroticized violation to somebody that wants to be violated. It's different. It's a completely different scenario. That can be so helpful. Yeah, that's that's so important and like a strong message to bring up for people that are feeling shame around just hard and heavy things from their past. But it's like, but how do I, this is who I am now. So Mm -hmm. how do I reframe it? Reframe it 100%. And you know what? I don't like our therapists that are not trained in this. I used to be one of them. So then you think, oh, your bias is no, I'm going to help you get rid of that fantasy. Well, now you're performing um, conversion therapy. You're trying to change somebody's erotic orientation. It's like trying to change somebody's sexual orientation. It's impossible. You can add more things to your erotic orientation, but you're not going to change old things. And that's probably kind of digging the shame well a little bit deeper. Piling it yeah, on. If yeah, if you're agreeing like, yeah, let's get rid of this. We don't need that. It's like mm-hmm. that's kind of reaffirming that like, oh, this is something I shouldn't be holding on to then, mm-hmm. which can yes. be so yeah. hard, I'm sure. So, so as a general statement, you would say that people's fantasies are okay and normal <laughs> and they should feel good about them. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And they should let them come out in their heads and jack off, jill off, whatever <laughs> off you want to do with it. No? Love Have fun yes. With love it so much. <sighs> are there any other sexual fantasies that you feel like are really common that people might have a lot of shame around? Yeah, doing somebody's family members. Oh. Or I want to do your mother. You know, your mother's really mm-hmm. hot and or your sister or twins. 
is really common. And a lot of twins get so insulted, but it can be a super hot fantasy in your mind to watch you two have sex or to have sex with the two mm-hmm. of you. And people get really, um, and their, their feet are common, uh, BDSM, power play, impact play, you know, dominance and submission. That's super common. You know what I didn't know? It was all over my, if you go to that video again, people wanted to know what CNC was, which I didn't know was an acronym. You'll know it when I tell you, because I didn't either. Consensual non-consent. Oh. Now that's the thing. I completely get that. I'm never going to talk about it on TikTok because there's so many kids and consent mm-hmm. is part of that. But people, and there are men and women in all genders who, in all sexual orientations that get off on tons of conversation. But in the end, you're going to make decisions on how you're going to be sexual with me. And if I say no, no doesn't mean no. But but these people usually do have boundaries, right? They usually say, mm-hmm. don't murder me. Don't right. give me an STI. Don't give me an STD. I mean, there are things on the table that are like, you yeah. know. Yeah. Murder um, feels like it should me. be a strong boundary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And eating. Like yeah. I feel like I didn't <laughs> even think about having to say those things. That's good yeah. to know. Yeah, you do. Because you don't want, you know, don't bite off my arm and, mm-hmm. you know, give me a scar, you know, like that. But, um, yeah, there are people that just, they, it's an erotic fantasy. It totally is normal, but it's, you to make it normal with a person, it demands a lot of maturity and discussion. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned one in your TikTok about being a giant, <laughs> I think. Um, and that one was pretty common. Could you mention that one? <laughs> yeah, I put that up there. And then women were like, I thought I was going to lose, because I have a lot of women followers. I thought I was going to lose them, because they were like, oh, this is cringy. This is cringeworthy. Mm. I actually thought it was hot. You know, so I'm a guy, right? And it was like a hot guy, and he, and he finds you in his locker. So you're this tiny person. I don't think that's what the guy that I stitched with meant it to be. Uh-huh. Um, but but it's but it happens. And there's also giant women who find a little tiny man. So it's like a power dynamic. I'm real. I'm shrunken. Maybe we're together. And I a gun is pointed at you and you, you're shrunk. Now you're this little man. You thought you were this big man. And I'm this big woman. And I'm going to dominate you and humiliate you. And my feet are big. My breasts are big. My clitoris is big. You're going to have to climb it. You're going to have to really work for me. The, the male giant, the same thing, the feet, the testicles, the, the penis. And, and then in the end, it's called a vor fantasy where you get eaten. I don't think I went that far in the video. I don't think so. On Pornhub, if it's still there, because uh, I know they've been cleaning house. Mm-hmm. But people that fantasies about eating or and actually watching somebody be swallowed and go into the stomach. So you're like, what the hell, right? But what it is is being engulfed. Maybe you had an engulfing mother or father or somebody that didn't give you any space to be you. So you always felt like you were swallowed up in that situation, swallowed up in that into that person. It's all metaphor, like a dream. And so now you've eroticized that very thing. Wow. That is so interesting. Yeah. So oh, my great. God. When you said it in your video, um, I'd never thought of it, but it also didn't like floor me I was like oh like it was shocking but I was like that kind of makes sense because that's more of a power play thing you know what else there's a lot of if you want to know common um spitting farting slapping uh biting because think about all the things we're taught as kids don't spit Mm -hmm. don't bite don't fart keep all your body noises Mm -hmm. to yourself you know all this stuff right and so but in sex you get to kind of do all that and it's erotic and it may not be erotic to everyone but it can yeah. Be <laughs> yeah. So with body fluids and stuff, so peeing on people, is um, that, I mean, 
that's kind of a thing that's like, don't do that <laughs> as a kid. <laughs> You're taught you know? not to pee on people. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like I've definitely, I've listened to a podcast where like that was something that she explored just to see it. And there's this whole like community of people that like to get peed on or pee on someone. Or listen to it or watch it. And I had one couple, I'll never forget the many, many years ago where she divorced him because she caught him listening to her pee and it turned him on and he could never tell her. So she felt it was cringeworthy, creepy, and she never gave, she was so disgusted that she couldn't get past her own disgust. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe she never would have, but it would have been nice to to just kind of unpack that, what that meant to him. And maybe that was the only, maybe... There's so many reasons why somebody wants to be peed on humiliation, uh, to humiliate someone else, a power play. They might just like the warmth of your body on their body. I mean, there's so many. You you can't, there's no cookbook for this, you know? You have to know who the person is and why they're into it. Yeah. Wow. So interesting. There is so much to know about ourselves. (laughs) I know. Seriously. I love it, though. And I'm so glad we're able to just talk about it in a space that's like, this is normal. This is totally fine. This could mean this could be what it means. You know, I think Mm -hmm. that's the more conversations around this, the better. I love it. I think so, too. I agree. I love that you're having me on for this. Yeah. No, thank you so much for like being willing to talk about all this stuff. I love it. I love that that's your work. And that's a platform you've created on TikTok for people, too. Well, because it fascinates me and I love it. And it, I want it to become more of my work. There's two books I would tell you to read on this. And you can even get Justin Miller is going to be somebody. He's easily accessible, even though he's huge. New York Times bestselling, but he's so accessible. Justin Miller, And he wrote this book called Tell Me What You Want. He did this big, robust study of over 500 people, sexual fantasies. And he's not, he doesn't do, he doesn't unpack it the way I do, but he talks about it in a different way. And then there's another book called Erotic Mind um, by Jack Morin. And he's now deceased, but this is a lot of what I rely on. I love anything to get to know myself better. So like using sex to get to know myself better just sounds amazing instead of using it as another way to shame myself or Mm -hmm. to tell myself that there's something wrong or that's something that I can't talk about I really realized because it took me a while but I've been with my partner for four years and you know after a few years in things would start to come up and I'd be like oh that's something I feel super ashamed about like I wish I wasn't into that like that kind of stuff and I just I heard this thing that was like whatever you don't own owns you Mm-hmm. And that felt so powerful to me. And so I just started telling him everything. And it was the most, and I can't say this, I can't know everybody's partner. So I don't know if everybody's partner is going to be as supportive or loving in that scenario. But he was phenomenal. And I felt so safe and held. And it was just like, it felt like this huge weight. And so just saying it, and I would tease it for a little bit. And then I would just fully say it. And it was never something that like we indulged in. It was just something that I needed to say to like kind of get rid of that shame. And then once I did, I felt so empowered Mm -hmm. and just so safe in the real. Exactly. So free. So highly recommend it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's like a whole other world. And I, I just love that that's what I'm learning more and more. It's like the ocean. It's a whole other world, you know? And so if you're looking at your sexuality and who that is, who that part of you is, you're learning so much about yourself and you need that to be accepted and loved as much as every other part that's totally seen to the world. Um, Yes, you need erotic compassion. That's what mm -hmm. that's called, erotic compassion. And most couples don't do that. They negotiate everything but erotic. Mm -hmm. And my job is to help you negotiate that too. Yeah. So important. I love that. Erotic compassion. Yeah. That's my new favorite. Yeah. <laughs> Thing to look forward to. We have reached the great part in our episode where we like to do 
homework for honeys. Where we talk about one actionable step that we can all take to start incorporating everything that we talked about today. So, Dr. Joe, would you do the honor of assigning some homework for us? All right. I'll assign homework for straight people and homework for LGBT. How's Love that? it. Perfect. <laughs> um, the homework would be to uh, maybe start by accepting your sexual fantasies, like just listing them. I like what you said. Do it very privately where no one's going to find it because, you know, it could be horrifying mm-hmm. to have somebody read something and know something before you're ready. Yeah. But to make a list of things and then to really think about how does this relate to my parents? How does this relate to my religion? How does this relate to my childhood? And again, get get away from thinking that it's specific. It's the theme of I like I like the whatever the theme is that you're trying to that you're looking for in your fantasy. There's going to be the same theme somewhere in your life. I bet you. That's what I would recommend. I love that. That's perfect. Mm -hmm. I'm so excited. Yes. Thank (laughs) you so so much. And where can our listeners continue to connect with you? So they can find me. Well, I have a website, joecourt.com, J-O-E-K-O-R-T.com. But then I have. I'm on TikTok and LinkedIn and Twitter and uh, Facebook, and that's at. Dr. Joe Court and on Instagram as well. Perfect. And I will link all of that in the show notes. And you also have a podcast. I do. It's called Smart Sex, Smart Love. And I'd like to have you guys on at some point. That'd be a lot of fun. We would, we would love, love to. to be there. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Oh, thank you so thank much, you so Dr. Joe. This was thank so you. fun. I'm so glad you found me on TikTok. And I think I'm your first male on your show, aren't I? You, you are. are. So yeah, yeah. celebrate that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. We are honored to have you be our first. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've never had a woman say that's me, but I'll say it. <laughs> well, there you go. Like, We're your it. first too. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, I immediately got something in my eye when I pressed record. Oh my God. That was shocking. <laughs> Shocking. Okay, I'm done. I'm fine. I have an eye. Anyway, thank you so much to Dr. Joe for being on the podcast today to help really bust that shame around sexual fantasies and give us a new perspective on how to like understand ourselves a little bit more. Exactly. Thank you so much to our listeners. Don't steal my line. (laughs) You're done. No. Uh, It's still my line. Okay, go ahead. And thank you so much to my (laughs) listeners (laughs) for tuning in. And to both of our listeners, please head over to Apple Podcasts, rate, review, and subscribe to Honey Do Me. That way you get the episodes right away and we can know how you feel about us. (laughs) And hopefully they're all good feelings. This last minute has just been, give us confirmation (laughs) that you like us minute. (laughs) And that's that. So we'll see you next week. Yep.